Hello, you are listening to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie and Megan. And today we have episode number 125. And we're going to dive into what postpartum looks like after delivery. I'm going to read a review, if that's okay. okay. This review is from Apple Podcasts, and it's from Devin Ray B. And she says, to say this is empowering would be an understatement. First off, I rarely take the time to write reviews, but this called for an exception. I am just over halfway through my third pregnancy with two prior C-sections. We made, well, I made, Hubs was not on board at first, the decision <laughs> to go for a VBAC this time as my last recovery was really tough. I started to research VBACs and realized pretty quick that my last repeat C-section was clearly not my only option. Finding this podcast has been life-changing. I started listening a week or so ago and have been binge listening ever since. That's what I love to hear. I will no doubt get through all the episodes before this baby is born. Not only have I learned and gained so much knowledge on the birthing process and VBACs themselves, I have been uplifted and inspired that I can do it too. It has given me so much faith in the process and has provided me with so many tools and resources to hopefully have a successful feedback after two C-sections myself. Thank you, Julie and Megan, for not just the work you do with women as doulas, but for bringing the stories to all of us listeners to give us the hope and empowerment we need to play active roles in our pregnancies and births and for putting out all the facts, risks, and benefits. I will be forever grateful for you ladies and the role that you have already played in our pregnancy. And I hope in 18 or so weeks, I can share my VBAC success with you. You have played such a huge role in it already. Thank you so much. Ah, I love that review. Megan, she left that on October 9th. And so 18 weeks is how many months? Like four so what is it? Now yeah. it's April. So she probably's had her baby right now. Yeah, I was going to say she probably was due right around now. Or yeah, whatever. like a month ago maybe. I yeah. don't know. Devin Ray B, if you um, have had your baby, send us a message. Um, we would love to record your story. And thank you so much for that sweet review. We absolutely love reviews, if you didn't already know. And if you haven't already, head on over to Google, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, wherever you like, and leave us a rating and tell us what you think. We love, we love hearing the awesome reviews and we love your feedback and we, we wouldn't be us without you. So thank you very much. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Do you want a VBAC but don't know where to start? It's easy to feel like we need to figure it all out on our own. That's what we used to do and it was the loneliest, most ineffective thing we have ever done. That's why Megan and I created our signature course, How to VBAC, the ultimate preparation course for parents that you can find at the VBAClink.com. It is the most comprehensive VBAC preparation course in the world 
perfectly packaged in an online self-paced video course. Together, Megan and I have helped over 800 parents get the birth that they wanted, and we are ready to help you too. Head on over to thevbacklink.com to find out more and sign up today. That's thevbacklink.com. See you there. All right. Well, let's get started. Let's talk about postpartum and what it looks like. I think this is something that really doesn't get talked about very often, you know, especially um, when you're preparing for birth. Um, we spend a lot of energy and time into preparing for what we want for that birth versus what may happen after and what that may look like. And so we're going to talk about that today. And Julie actually posted on our stories some questions, so or I guess left it open for questions. Um, so we could answer those to everyone wondering what postpartum looks like in certain ways. So Julie, do you want to ramble off the first question? Yeah, but first can I tell a little story? Yes. <laughs> you know how I like my stories. So it was really interesting how we came up with this topic. Um, right now it is mid-April 2020. And so we're still very heavy in the middle of all the COVID-19 restrictions and all the th crazy things that are going on in the birth world right now. And a dear friend of mine had a client have her baby last night and she wasn't able to go to the hospital with her. And she ended up having a C-section. And so I was helping her like process through that today because it's sometimes it's hard on us doulas. Like when our clients, when you mothers don't get the birth experience that you had hoped for and wanted, it it's hard we it's hard on us doula sometimes like it really we, is our hearts break for you and we we mourn the loss of that experience with you and so oftentimes we will call another doula or some somebody that we trust on the way home or after the birth and just kind of talk about it and help us to take care of our mental health too as well. I, did I say that right, Megan? Does that sound right? Like we don't sit, we don't sit here and gossip about all our clients, but like sometimes it's, it's hard on us and we, we have to have a place. So I think every doula has a special person or birth worker that they can talk to Absolutely. about those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, like these clients of ours, like they really become my really good friend like really, um, yeah. I really invest, I invest a lot of time in them and they invest a lot of time in their birth. And, and we are, together are like trying our hardest to prepare for the birth. And then if, if it doesn't go the way they planned or they desired, it's re it really is seriously so hard on us as well, because we see a lot of letdown in our clients and we feel we feel bad and we feel sad. And like she said, like we mourn the loss of their experience as well. So yeah, totally. I definitely have a handful of people that are my people that I talk to about. Yep. I'm we have to process, yes, <laughs> process births um, ourselves, right? And yeah. like, as doulas, we're always taught not to bring the birth home, mm -hmm. but it's really, really hard not to do that. Yeah. Because it like is. I said, we love our clients. We love we them. We do. Ideally, like your doula will be like an honorary member of your family. I think by the time of birth, some people, some people like a more formal relationship, but most like Megan, most of my clients have become really close friends. In fact, after the most recent birth I was at, the partner, her partner asked me, so did you really mean it when you said we would be friends? 
<laughs> after this? And I'm like, yes, I did mean it. I did mean it. And I actually just chatted with her today on the phone for a little bit. So it's fun. But anyways, like that was a really long digression from my original topic. So I'm going to bring you back around. So my friend whose client just had had a repeat or a, not a repeat, it's a first time mom, C-section. She asked me, well, before this, I was figuring out, trying, like trying to figure out what me and Megan were going to talk about today because we knew we wanted to do a special episode or just, I guess they're just regular episodes now with her and I, and I was trying to figure out a topic to talk about. And then my friend who was processing the birth of her client, she asked me, do you have a podcast episode on cesarean recovery? And I was like, nope. But now that you mention it, we will record one tonight. <laughs> and there I have my topic because you, Megan's right. It's not talked about. It's not talked about. And what, what to do like both physically, but also emotionally when birth doesn't go the way you want it to and like how to get help because at least here in the United States, we kind of expect parents to snap back really quickly from the birth and especially because we know most of you listening have already have a toddler at home as well. And so we want to give you some information and help in order to prepare for the best postpartum experience you can have. Yes, exactly. Okay. I got to add another little footnote in here before we get into it. It's okay. They listen to, <laughs> they listen to the podcast because they like to hear us talk. Is that right? Like, <laughs> well, I have another funny story. I have two funny stories now. So my husband, I was listening to our podcast on COVID-19, like just a couple of days ago um, while I was cleaning up. And apparently like when you and I like make comments on the podcast and I'm listening to it, I like laugh when we laugh or I like say yes, that's right too. that's right mm-hmm. like I say apparently yeah. I talk or you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> my husband makes fun of me he's like do you know that that when you're talking you laugh with yourself when you're talking and I'm like what no I don't and then I did it a few minutes later and I'm like oh my gosh I totally do <laughs> You totally do. So funny. You you know that? How do you know that? Wait. What? what? <laughs> Never mind. So going on to my second story, Megan and I are not recording in the studio. And no. um, we are actually not together right now. We are at our own homes recording in our bedrooms again. We might feel like we have regressed a little bit, but we actually have some <laughs> pretty good pretty good microphone when you're quarantined (laughs) and it's a good thing it's a good thing we prepared we got these microphones and everything ready because it was in just in some time yeah it was just in time so if we sound a little awkward it's because we are not looking at each other right now (laughs) and before we went when you could see each other I think I feel like it's easier to kind of like go with a more natural flow of the conversation Anyways, that was a really long time. I've been talking a long time about nonsense. Let's get to the questions. <laughs> Let's get to the questions. <laughs> I'm going to be laughing with myself when I hear this back. You know I will be. Yes, you will probably. Okay. Well, let's get to the first question. So this is from Allie Thayer, and these are all from Instagram. So she asks, how long do things feel bad down there? I had a C-section last time, so I don't know. Megan, why don't you take that one away? Yeah, so bad down there. I'm assuming she's saying she had a C-section last time, so she's wanting to know how long do they feel bad down there vaginally. 
That's what uh, I would assume as well. Yes. So it really depends because sometimes people will have no like tearing or adhesions or anything like that. And so it makes their recovery really easy or they don't push for very long. And so they're not very swollen. And so their recovery really is quite easy and straightforward. And then we have the total opposite end where we have parents who have third and fourth degree tears or push for four hours and they're just so swollen. And those can cause longer and even harder recoveries. You know, ice is going to be the best friend ever when you have a baby, no matter what. I mean, if you can imagine, a baby is coming out of a vagina. And so it's a larger head coming out of a smaller place. But remember that our tissues and our body is made to stretch and mold the baby's head. And so um, as the baby comes out, if we have tearing, the provider will suture the um, area that needs to be um, sewn up. And that is where it can be kind of uncomfortable and healing. So healing can um, be sore, I would say one to three weeks, but the hardest part usually is one to four days. I don't know if you would agree, Julie, but that's kind of what what I would say is one to four days is when you're going to have the most swelling, um, the most discomfort, and things like that. And so sitting on ice and really laying low. And here in the U.S., we tend to not do that. We tend to try to get right back up and get going with the day. And we have kids and partners have to go back to work and there's so much. And so that prolongs our recovery. So the longer you can stay and lay low, the better. And like I said, if you if you have a more substantial tear, then you're going to even need to do that even more because you want to make sure that that area recovers. And something, this is a little tip, what you don't want to do is sit there cross-legged. You want to sit like, if you're sitting there in the bed, like keep your legs straight or lay on your side and that will really help your recovery as well. So yeah, I would say how long does it really hurt down there? I'd say one to four days. It still can be uncomfortable um, leading up to even weeks, especially if there's like hemorrhoids or things like that. Sometimes sitting down is uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever heard of like the donut pillow, but some people like to sit on a donut pillow or take a little pillow for padding to provide extra support and less pressure in that area. Julie, what would you say... Um, my personal recovery, I lucked out. I had an amazing midwife who coached me very, very well, and I totally lucked out with not having any tearing, so I never had any stitches or anything like that. And by day three, my swelling was down substantially, and it didn't really hurt to walk or pee or anything like that. What would you say? You know, I think you're right on point with everything you said. I think it really just depends on the severity of, not the severity, well, maybe the severity of the this, tear, but also like how the pushing process went, yeah, how big was exactly. the baby's head, like how was the baby posterior, did they have to go in and use forceps or vacuum and things like that, so it's really going to vary, but um, gosh, I think with like, with a vaginal delivery with minimal tearing and um, no assisted delivery like forceps or vacuums with baby not being posterior, I think you're right, I think most vaginal deliveries you're right on point. And I think a lot has to do with like whether or not you have the epidural because sometimes having an epidural really inhibits your body's ability to instinctively push. And so yeah. you might not be pushing like at the best times for your body, which might 
kind of forced a little more wear, if you will, on on that um, birth canal. But yeah, 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 my first feedback, I had like one stitch. It was barely a first degree tear. And we should talk about our favorite postpartum products after this because I've got some really good stuff. And so that one was really uncomfortable to sit on for a few, for, I don't know, like four to five days. But then after my next two V-backs, I didn't tear at all, no stitches. And I would say, yeah, just a couple, probably a couple days as far as like needing to like take ibuprofen to feel better. But honestly, like Megan said, like we just, I think we're going to emphasize and say it like 500 times in this episode, but like. Be easy on yourself. Be kind to yourself. The dishes don't have to be done. The laundry doesn't have to be done. It doesn't matter if your toddler runs around in a diaper for six weeks. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you because this is a time for you to rest and relax with your baby. Make sure not to overdo it because, man, I can't even tell you how many times I have had a client like text me when she's like two or three weeks postpartum and she's like, my bleeding just started up again. I'm so scared. No, like, should I call my doctor? <laughs> and I'm like, well, why don't you tell me what your day looked like? Well, I went to the mall and we walked around for a little while and then we went to the park and then I went on a swing with my three-year-old. I'm like, well, you know, you probably want to take it easy, easier than that because I want you guys to remember no matter what, whether it's C-section or V-back, your placenta literally left a plate size like a dinner plate-sized wound (laughs) on your your uterus. And yes, it does shrink down, but this wound, its job, the uterus's job and the wound's job, I don't know if the wound has a job, is to like clamp down, close it up, tighten it up and heal it. And it takes, you know, five to six weeks for that healing process to really be to the point where you can get back to like regular activities. So be careful with that because bleeding can start up again if you do too much and reopen that wound but yeah I would say that but like a lot of things people don't talk about is like fourth degree tears or third degree tears because those things can happen they're not very rare and they're even less likely to happen if you are allowed and I'm using air quotes right now I say the word allowed (laughs) if you're allowed to birth other than on your back because that's going to make it easier for baby to come out so but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. In a nutshell, How many times can we say that? <laughs> in a nutshell, you know, four days is probably the most intense, depending on um, what happened during birth. That would be my answer. Yeah, but like with my babies born at home, I was like walking up and down the stairs the next day, fine. But yeah. like I said, but like I knew well enough by then to like to not go up and down the stairs eighteen times, you know. But I was very, right. very mobile enough to be able to do that so right all right next question are you ready yeah okay this is a hard this is a tricky one oh man I don't know if they're the right people to ask for this one but I'm gonna ask (laughs) okay (laughs) this is for uh, from artsy live five and she said how do you balance and I'm assuming balance your life so how do you balance your life after your baby with little ones during the pandemic yeah, that's a good question. That um, is a good question. It's hard. For it's what hard. I am doing is I'm trying to have somewhat of a schedule and trying not to act like it's summer yet. And so we have little things like I 
some days like I, you know, I do more things. I'm like, okay, we're going to do a craft today or okay, we are going to bake today or whatever it may be. And then some days it's like, okay, it's all right. We're going to watch TV today. We're going to watch a movie and it's going to be just fine. <laughs> you know? So I would just say finding the balance that's right for you. Because if you are one of those moms that are a big go-getter and you are able to follow a super strict schedule all day with your kids, do it. But don't put so much pressure on yourself either to do that. Yeah. And I would say even during the first six weeks postpartum, don't do that. Like, I know it's really hard during this pandemic right now because you can't have people coming into your house to help you with the baby. You can't. I mean, like social isolation and distancing and all those things, they're really, really hard. So we have a lot of postpartum moms going right now, um, not being supported. And so I would say like, since we're all homeschool teachers now, um, (laughs) don't worry about homeschooling. If you have, like I have a first grader, gosh, and if I just had a baby, I will tell you not very much of his schoolwork would be getting done. And do you know what? It's not going to take them off track for their whole entire life to not do school for a month. It's just not. And I mean, you can even call the school and say you're withdrawing them for the rest of the year and doing homeschool and then just do little activities. But also you can involve your little ones in your child's care. Even your your two-year-old can go get a diaper for you to change the baby and spend lots of time in bed watching TV, snuggling with your baby, snuggling with your kids. And if you have a partner, have them as long as they're not working. I mean, hopefully they're still working. I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you want them home with you, but you still want them working because I know a lot of people are Mm -hmm. being hit hard economically right now, but get your birth partner involved and see if you can have them like take your kid for a walk and just like give you guys some time at home or go for a long drive. I mean, that's one thing me and my kids have been doing is just going for drives. We go hunt. This is so funny. You're going to laugh at me, Megan. We go hunt, we go hunt cows and excavators. And so that's what we say. I think you've told me that before. I I think it's fun. Yeah. So we go, there's a lot of construction in our area right now because it's growing so fast, but it's like, they're like changing a lot of farmland into housing developments, which kind of makes me sad a little bit, to be honest. But so there's a lot of like construction equipment around if you just drive like two blocks away and houses going up, but there's also lots of farm still. And we live like, three blocks away from Utah Lake and so there's lots of birds and animals and things and so we go and all my kids like looking at all the construction equipment and stuff and just going for a drive can be fun way to like just get out but or maybe you just have one person that you that you have come stay with you like your mom or your sister or your friend it's just really hard right now because I feel like I feel like it's a double-edged sword because moms and parents are kind of being forced to take it slower and easier but at the same time we're taking away what little support they had in the first place you know what I mean so yeah yeah no I totally I totally agree I, I don't know just don't put so much pressure on yourself yes your job right now is to just love your children this is why I told myself like after my third baby in order I when I was pregnant with my third coming out of like deep postpartum depression with my second I knew like I had to set like boundaries for myself. Like if I ever got to this point, what would I do? If I ever got to that point, what would I do? And I had a whole plan. Those of you that know me won't be surprised. But one of the things I realized is that the only thing I can do in one day is love my kids. I don't even have to like them all the time. You know, sometimes those like 
six-year-old and the two-year-olds get in the nail polish and all those things, right? You don't even have to like them all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you always love them. Am I right? Like, can I get a hallelujah? Like, if I'll probably say hallelujah when I'm listening to this back. But, like, <laughs> but if all you do is love your kids, that is enough. Because I promise you, the two-year-old is going to go climb in the pantry and find their own granola bars. And if they eat granola bars all day long for one day or two days in a row or three, then that's fine. If you watch Daniel Tiger on repeat for two weeks, that is fine. This is a phase of your life that you're in, and you want to be careful not to overdo it. And like like Megan said, be kind, be patient yeah. with yourself, um, yeah. because it's easy to overdo it. And I promise you, you have the most expectations of yourself. Nobody else has the expectations of yourself as you do. Does that make sense, Megan? Yeah, yeah. I just think, like I said, like find what works for you. A schedule, yeah. if a schedule works for you. If a schedule doesn't work for you, that's fine. Like it's okay if your kids watch TV for a little bit. It's okay mm-hmm. if you have things for them to do. Like it's it's okay. You just have to kind of find what works best for you and don't like put pressure on yourself to do what, you know, Sally Joe down the street's doing with her kids because she just had a baby and she has five kids and she's so amazing and she does all these things. Like, yeah, don't don't worry about that. Like we're just, all different. And I promise you, Sally Joe down the street is probably struggling when you don't see her. Yeah. I yeah. Okay, yeah. let's go down to the next question. How long do hemorrhoids take to go away? (laughs) Hemorrhoids suck. They suck. They suck really bad. I promise you two things my husband can relate to pregnancy and childbirth is heartburn and hemorrhoids. He's like, I don't know anything what you're going through, but I know heartburn and I know hemorrhoids. And they're really awful. Hemorrhoids can come if you're um, with pushing. It's just a normal thing. Your, Your blood volume is increasing and you have lots of hormones flowing through. And as you push, it's easy for, for you to get hemorrhoids. And you can even get them during pregnancy because of all of the things that I just said. And hemorrhoids, as long as they're not very severe, and as long as you are proactively treating them with like witch hazel or other like hemorrhoid creams, like we, we prefer like the more natural kinds, but like even you can go to your doctor and ask for help with the hemorrhoids. Most of most of the time they will go away, but sometimes they won't, and you'll need to go get um, help professionally with that. But there's a really awesome product by Earth Mama Organics called Perineal Balm, and I love it. I gift it to all my clients as long as they have it in stock, because sometimes they don't. But all my clients get a Perineal Balm, and it's got witch hazel and chamomile and lots of soothing stuff, and it's great for like under your undersides, like for vaginal swelling, for hemorrhoids, for everything. And oh my gosh, I didn't add on this. My father-in-law is going to kill me because he, my father-in-law uses it for his hemorrhoids. <laughs> my husband does perineal balm, Earth Mom Organics. It's the only thing that my husband and my father-in-law will use. <laughs> Anyone that knows him, you have to give him a hard time. Anyways, but I mean, Megan, did you get hemorrhoids? I had them. I had them so bad. No, I didn't actually. I... I don't know. I I didn't push for very long, and then when I during pregnancy, I don't know. I just lucked out. I never got them. I, I guess know. it's just that some people do, some people don't. I think. Oh, totally. Like I have clients who are like, "Oh my gosh, I have like the worst hemorrhoids ever!" Like, and then some people are like, "I have never had a hemorrhoid in my life." Like, 
I think it just depends on what's going on and, and the pushing and, and the pregnancy and how low that baby was. And yeah, there's just so many things to it, you know? Yeah. But definitely use what you can, you know, sits baths and Earth Mom Organics and Witch Hazel Witch Hazel Witch Hazel. Yeah, Witch Hazel pads. Like there's just whatever you can to be comfortable and remember again, lay low, let your body recover. Yep, absolutely. Okay, next question. How do I know my stitches are healing correctly? Very good question. That is a good question. And I think you can apply this to both vaginal and cesarean, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, absolutely. You know, I just had um, a client who had her baby in February and it was like mid-March. Well, it was end of February and it was like the first week of March. And she texted me a picture and she's like, hey, does this look normal? And the picture did, to me did not look normal. And I was like, oh, I don't really love like how that's looking. And she was like, okay. She's like, I think I might call the doctor. And I was like, oh, it's a good idea. So she calls the doctor and they had her come in and they were like, yeah, no, it's totally normal. And she's like, okay, cool. So she texts me and I was like, all right, sounds good. I was like, just watch it close and, you know, make sure you're taking care of it. And so here it was the end of March, a couple weeks later, like three weeks later, over a month after a baby's born. And she's like, okay, you guys, look at this picture. And so she texts me a picture. And sure enough, like, it's, like, open and, like, oozing. And I'm like, no, that is not normal. Like, it's it's the same, like, it as it was. And so she went in. And sure enough, like, her, her scar had opened. And they were like, yeah, it's fine. It'll just go away. And so here it is. It's, like, opening and it's oozing, like, infection. And she had been having that. And, she, you know, so it gets... And she was like, something didn't feel right, but like they said it was normal. So like if it doesn't feel right, even if they're saying it's normal, get a second opinion or demand them to look at it again, you know, because you want them to heal right. And with cesareans, like there's still swelling and, and everything and edema and it's still sore. But if it's red, if it's warm to the touch, if it's super swollen and it's not going away, obviously if it's oozing. All those things are usually red flags and same with vaginal. Or if you've got a pain, like if you're walking and you've got a vaginal stitch and it's just like so painful, it's not right. There's a possibility that a stitch has maybe popped out a little bit or maybe it was too long and needs to be cut down or maybe something's going on and causing irritation. So um, I think Julie, you know, Julie and I always say trust your in- intuition, but like really, like if something doesn't feel right, don't ever hesitate to go in. I don't know. Julie, you've had a stitch. Tell us about it. My stitch, <laughs> my <laughs> one stitch was not noteworthy. Like it just, it was fine. But I would say like what Megan just said, trust your intuition. And if something doesn't feel right, ask your doctor, who was it, Megan, just recently that had like part of a needle left in her Wait, vagina what? after what? the stitch? What? Hold what? on, I'm trying to think where... Where I have no idea what you're talking about, but yikes. So, gosh, it wasn't my last client because she had a, she ended up having a repeat C-section. Who was it? Oh my gosh, I cannot remember. I'm, I'm, it's driving me nuts right now. Let's see. <laughs> you never told me about it. Oh, but I'm, oh my wait, gosh, wait, wait, wait. They left a needle, like they left so the hook. part of the needle, like the, the, the stitching needle. Yeah. 
Like the little was left in her vagina, and she what? couldn't sit down comfortably. And she's like, "This feels so weird." Shut the front and then she door. She went in, and her doctor found part of the freaking needle. Oh my gosh! No, she wiped with toilet paper, and the needle was on the toilet paper, the little tip of the needle. And she oh went to her doctor and told her doctor, and wow. and they're like, "Wow, I don't even know how that would happen." Wow! Well, now that I just terrified the heck out of the people. Gosh, I can't remember who it had. I swear, no, maybe it was a text conversation. I'm pretty sure I saw the picture what? at some point from somebody. Maybe it was. Oh a wow! I, I don't know. I've never. That's in, that's intense. I cannot remember. Wow, interesting. Well, again, it goes through like if it doesn't feel right, look right. If you're showing signs of infection, like I said, fever, redness, swelling, oozing. Um, no matter what, if it's cesarean or vaginal, those usually are not great signs. They should be getting better. Normally, these stitches, they dissolve. They're made to dissolve. And so if you're a couple weeks down and something's not looking right um, or feeling right, don't hesitate to call and go get checked, you know? Yep. I would say the exact same thing. All right. Let's get on to a next question. Any tips for staying hydrated? I feel like that's a pretty easy question. Yes. Drink water. Well, yes. So drink a lot of water. <laughs> Don't drink too much either because yes. too much can dehydrate you. And like if you if you drink a lot of water, that's wonderful. And then in addition to drinking water, so pink Himalayan salt, it's pretty awesome stuff. Sprinkle some in your water and maybe drink some, oh my goodness, magnesium i'm like what is going on why yeah like electrolytes are great magnesium potassium and yeah sodium. electrolytes like have you ever heard of those iv packets have you i don't yeah. know yeah um so, midwife does them oh yeah cool so i do iv packets when i'm like running races or whatever wait like actual ivs or like the no it's no it's like a little packet of electrolytes you add to your water yes yes so it's not like the actual IV, like this is something you can get at like Costco, Sam's Club, Amazon, um, and they're called like IV, liquid IV or something like mm -hmm. that. I've seen them on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And you just put them to your water and it's amazing. It tastes really well um, and it really helps. It does, it replenishes your electrolytes. Okay, so I'm looking right now. Liquid IV hydration. And there's like 16 for like 20 bucks, 16 packets for 20 bucks. Yeah. So, or yeah, or eight for seven, $18. So, and yeah, you just add it to water and it's full of like vitamin C and vitamin B12 and vitamin B6 and all these amazing things to help hydrate yourself because it is hard. Like, even today, actually, I was I was out of birth, and yes, I actually was luckily let in. And when she got her IV, the midwife's like, "Oh my gosh! Like, have you been drinking?" She's like, "No, I've been sucking at drinking. Like, we forget to drink. Like, super water." Normal. Just to clarify, yeah, water. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we forget to drink water and stay hydrated. And and remember, like, you can drink like. You can drink pop or whatever, but pop actually dehydrates you. Those types of things dehydrate you. So just make sure that you're drinking the right stuff and not too much of it. 
and replenishing your body. So something that I like to try and do is I like to drink anywhere between 30 to 60 ounces by the first part of the day, which is like noon. And I usually work out in the morning, so it does help me get water in because I have to drink a lot when I'm working out. But set a goal and say, okay, I'm going to drink 20 ounces by noon. And then check in with yourself, you know, or even set yourself an alarm. I know that sounds so silly, but like really set yourself an alarm and it's in a water alarm and maybe it goes off at noon, two and five. I don't know. Or noon, three and five and just check in on your water because it's really, really important to hydrate. It's also important to be hydrated for birth, like, or for labor, like dehydration can cause like premature rupture of membranes and obviously like early um, labor and things like that. So it's really important to hydrate. Yeah. And you know what I would add too is just always have water by, by you. So yes, like right after yes. postpartum, I bought those like big giant uh, hydro flask things. They're not hydro flasks, They're called something else, but they're like 48 ounces of water in a, like one water bottle. And I feel put it's like the thermal insulated ones with the double walls. So it can stay cold for like 24 hours. And I try and make sure to drink two of those a day. So I always have, I've been kind of carrying one around with me, but have water at your postpartum station. Even if it's just like you buy a case of bottled water, which would be hard to find right now, depending on where we're at in the pandemic, but, um, but have, have water with you always close by. And so you know, to drink it, you like, and you know that your job is to empty two of the 48 ounce water bottles a day, or, you know, if you don't have a 48 ounce one, get a 12, 12 ounce one and do it eight times or whatever. And know and and keep track of that. And there's also a really cool app you can download on your phone called. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember anything right now. What, oh my gosh, what is <laughs> up with me today? Um, I had a client actually refer it to me because she was really bad at drinking water, and it's free and it's really cool. It's like this graphic interface thing, like a water tracker. It's called. I'm looking it up. I don't know. You can find them everywhere, wherever you want. There's lots in here. Water minder, drink water, water, water rush, happy glass, drink water reminder. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of apps. We have technology. Cool. Technology is amazing. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to try and wrap it up with one last yeah, question. We've got a couple, we have a couple minutes left. Um, so yes. Let's get a couple So minutes. one last question. Um, how do you know if you need a pelvic floor specialist? And Megan, I feel like this would be a perfect one for you, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really good question. So a couple things that told me I needed a pelvic floor specialist and I wish I would have gone before I had Webster, my son, my feedback baby, but I didn't and that's okay. But in constance, so everybody else there's like, oh, it's so normal to have a baby and then have to pee and, or like pee your pants. And it's not, it's not normal. It's absolutely not normal. And so if you're peeing your pants and you're jumping on the trampoline, or running a race, or running around the block, or, or laughing, laughing, or sneezing, or sneezing or those types of, yeah, those types of things, not normal, they're really not normal, those are signs that you need to see a pelvic floor specialist, painful sex, pain during sex, that is also a symptom that you might have something going on, and you need to see a pelvic floor specialist, during delivery, like if you had like a severe tear, especially like a third or fourth degree tear, or if there was anything like that, or even an assisted delivery, I would always suggest going and seeing a pelvic floor. Honestly, I would see, I would suggest everyone out there, everybody to see a pelvic floor specialist before, 
and after. Even at least if it's once, just before, because they can really help like with pushing and things like that and finding out ways to help relax the pelvic floor. But there's always, I mean, it's it's traumatic to our pelvic floor, even though it's a natural process, it's still traumatic to our pelvic floor. And so there are things that we can do to heal our pelvic floor um, and take better um, actions in making sure that we're doing okay. So I would say everyone needs to see one, but those are some of the signs, pain, peeing, those types of things. So yeah. I would agree. All right. Okay, did you do, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Really one fast. more. We do it really fast. One more really fast. Okay. Um, one more. So, okay. So this is from Jess Primer. She says, so scared to start scar mobilization after my C-section 11 months ago. Should I hire a pelvic floor therapist or just do oh. it myself? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would see a pelvic floor specialist. Yep. 100%. Boom. Definitely. Done. Okay. Did you know that we talk a lot about postpartum recovery in our VBAC prep class? both for parents and we talk about it in our doula training as well so that doulas are aware of what's normal and what's not and we always want you to know that if something doesn't feel right call your doctor call your provider call your midwife call pelvic floor specialist because when something doesn't feel right it's usually not right so yeah and and even c-section moms so i know yep. we, we started off talking about how we really wanted to talk about post postpartum for c-section and c-section moms you need it too you really do need it too there's so much benefit in having your scar massaged and everything like that there really really is it can help avoid adhesions in the future and all those types of things so yeah postpartum for for c-section obviously it's harder too depending on how long of a labor you had or if you pushed and then and then had a C-section and, and things like that. So, yeah, I think I want to do one, another one that's like literally just specific to C-section. So, yeah, stay tuned. Fun. Stay and tuned. to find out more about our prep classes for both parents and doulas, head on over to the vbacklink.com and we hope to see you in the classes. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.